drawing room over here. You made it. Oh, come on through. Do you fancy drink? What's your tipple? Have you ever looked at your parents and wondered what they were like when they were your age, who they'd been friends with, what they stood for? Imagine you start doing this and you learn about their pasts, finding out that your parents, their family and friends all played a major part in India's fight for independence and were acquaintances of someone called Mahatma Gandhi, no less. Anand Patvardhan's documentary, The World is Family, paints an intimate portrait of his parents and their politics interwoven with India's history is my guest. Welcome to you, Anand. Yeah, hey, thanks. When did you become aware in detail? I mean, what do you remember about becoming aware of their politics and their contribution to the, uh, well, India's fight for independence? Uh, so it was actually, uh, um, it was there in, in the atmosphere. I remember uh, as a 20-year-old, I was not very involved in politics in India, but I actually went to America as a, uh, on a scholarship to study. And that was right when the Vietnam War was going on and my university was very active fighting the Vietnam War. Uh, I ended up going to jail in America for the first time against the war. And that, that actually politicized me more than my own family background. As my parents were getting old, I wanted to preserve their memory for myself. So, so this was just home movie footage. It was not meant to be a film. I started filming with my parents, uh, you know, at birthdays and anniversaries and things like that. And slowly I started talking to them, interviewing them. And that's when more details started to emerge. And then I interviewed one of my father's younger brothers who was still alive and got lots more detail from him. So, so slowly the freedom struggle picture started to emerge out of this footage. And years after my parents had passed, um, I started looking at the footage, mainly during the pandemic and COVID, because we were stuck at home. Uh, with nothing else to do, I was started looking at the home movie footage and editing it. I was charmed uh, to really hear your mother's tone. She seems almost annoyed at your questions. You, you describe this as more of an oral history. There is an important distinction there for you, isn't there? Yeah, it's a oral because this is not the history that you get in our textbooks, uh, and and the history that India Indians today are getting is completely being rewritten. So we have a regime in power that never fought the British. They were collaborators with the British. The people from the extreme right wing Hindutva, uh, Hindu majoritarian uh, ideology, had been uh, partners with the British in the 1942 movement, the Quit India movement, in which uh, my eldest uncles were the most active. Uh, in that whole period, nobody from the Hindutva pantheon ever fought the British, ever went to jail. Only one guy went to jail uh, in British times, and that was uh, somebody called Savarkar. And Savarkar basically devoted the rest of his life to stoking anti-Muslim fervor. So he he's like one of the champions of the anti-Muslim uh, ideology, which is the ideology that drives the 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 
party in power today in India. I was going to ask about that. We saw some incredible pictures of the uh, Ayoda Temple being inaugurated by Prime Minister Modi recently. Military helicopters dropping flower petals on tens of thousands of devotees. The temple itself, of course, uh, the site of a former uh, Muslim uh, a religious site and uh, mosque, mosque. Uh, and also built on the on the ruins of the Babri Mosque, which they demolished in 1992. I, I was going to ask about that because obviously this tem- temple is symbolic in a couple of different ways. One of which is uh, that really Prime Minister Modi's popularity came out of the ashes of that temple and the riots that ensued. So, how would your family think about this year in India as an, a general election approaches with this Hindu revivalism or popular being so uh, at the forefront of, of Indian consciousness? But those of my family who are still alive are disgusted and those who passed away, I'm happy that they passed away before this event because it's not just this, this is just the culmination of a long process. If you've just joined me on RN Drive, documentary filmmaker Anand Padwadan is discussing his latest work, The World is Family. I'll give you some details where you can uh, see the film and hear from Anand in person in just a moment. That title, The World is Family, really encapsulates the film so well, looking at India on a sort of macro and micro level. I know it's a translation of a Sanskrit phrase. What is the meaning behind That's this phrase? Right, yeah. Yeah, it is it, the Sanskrit phrase, phrase is Vasudhaiva Kutumbakam, which literally means the world is family. And ironically, this is the slogan that the Modi government has was using during the G20 oh, really? talks. <laughs> so the G20 slogan was the world is family. But this is ironic because the government <laughs> stole the government, the idea, the right wing ideology stole this because it is a part of one part of the ancient Hindu idea, but it's in competition with something like the caste system, which is the more dominant, uh, which has survived in in uh, horrific form, which survives even today. So, so on the one hand, you have a caste system that discriminates against the poorest, against the working class, puts them at the bottom of the ladder, and puts the priests at the top and the warriors underneath them and then the merchants. So on the one hand, you have this highly stratified and highly rigid caste system. And on the other, you have what probably was a minority, um, you know, peace movement of of those days, which has the ideal of um, uh, the world as family, that everybody is equal and everybody is not necessarily equal but everybody is is part of the same large cosmos there is a great line in your documentary in a single generation caste privilege has led to class privilege which uh, exactly sums up what you're talking about this idea and the philosophy behind that, it that was that 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 line is just to describe because i was started out talking about how my um, great grandfather uh, had walked, I mean, who who were poor Brahmins, poor uh, people from the upper castes, but in terms of class, they were poor. So they, their father, told them that that he can't support them anymore, and they they lived like a few hundred miles from uh, Pune, but they walked all the way to Pune, and then they studied 
got themselves an education and then became lawyers and then made money. So I'm I'm describing how because even though they were impoverished, uh, but because they were of upper caste, they had upward mobility. They could they could in a single generation change class, and then they went on to be part of the freedom struggle. So so they were upper caste, uh, newly well to do, but they used that privilege to actually become part of the freedom struggle and and so there were different elements in the freedom struggle people from different classes i've read that a large number of your films have at some point been banned from state television and that you've found it pretty hard for that to be reversed is that yeah, true so, so you know it's true but it's not exactly how you say it is what happened is that my films in the old days my films would win national awards because the the you know we had We've never had a very militantly secular government. Even the Congress and the, the earlier governments were always a bit cowardly when it came to you know, enforcing a secular rule. Um, but they were not openly right-wing uh, Hindu fundamentalists. So, so what, and they, they were also slightly democratic in the sense that they would have, uh, they would appoint national juries for the film to award, give awards to the to the best films in the country, and I won a few awards uh, because the jury was not handpicked, uh, you know, just to support the government's ideology. So even even films that were critical of government won awards, and then when it won an award, I would then take it to the national broadcaster because in those days we had Doordarshan, the only television channel that reached out to everybody. In those, this is before the time of proliferation of commercial channels. Uh, they were So So Durda, being on Doordarshan meant you had a huge reach. So we went to Doordarshan arguing that if the government has given me an award, how can they say that this film is not good for the public to watch? Because Doordarshan's natural instinct was to say no to the telecast. But we, we fought in court and we won seven, uh, seven court cases, five... Uh, seven in the high court and two in that went up to the Supreme Court, ordering the national broadcaster to show my films on TV. I gather from the tone in your voice that uh, the young Anand who got arrested in the United States and the glee that you sort of rec- recounted that story is still uh, felt when you're making the powers that be uncomfortable. Would I be correct in thinking that? Yes, I mean it's not that I choose to be confrontational. In fact, I'm not. I'm not. I don't even believe that. I mean, people call some people describe them as controversial, but the controversy is is not created by me. The controversy is the fact that I'm actually upholding the spirit of India's constitution. I always maintain is that it's my films are actually trying to spread the spirit of the constitution. And the government that tries to suppress the screenings are, is actually uh, going against the constitution. Fascinating to speak to you. Director Anand Patwadhan is uh, coming to Australia. His documentary, The World is Family, is screening as part of the Antenna Film Festival on Saturday the 10th and sun, uh, Saturday the 17th of February. A great pleasure and thank you for your time. Thank you so much. You've been listening to a podcast of The Drawing Room with me, Andy Park. 